Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast with me, Craig Wilman. This week is a special episode of the podcast where I'm joined by Eric Similani, an MP from Eswatini, a country formerly known as Swaziland. Eric is currently in the UK. He's in exile from his homeland following the arrest of his two fellow MPs. And he fears that if he sets foot in Eswatini, he will be arrested or even killed. Eric, thank you very much for coming on uh, today. Welcome to the Leaders' Council. Thank you so much, uh, Craig. I'm very much uh, honoured to be hosted uh, by the Leaders' Council podcast. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's brilliant to have you with us. Um, to just to give a bit of a bit of background for our listeners, um, Eswatini is the last remaining absolute monarchy in Africa. Uh, the king is called uh, Mizwati III, appoints the prime minister and the executive branch of government. But the country does have a partially elected parliament. And Eric, you were elected to that parliament in 2018. Um, so could you give us an overview of what's happened since then? Yeah, thanks. You said it well in all the aspects. I was elected in 2018. I went to parliament. I had seen this sickness for uh, over 10 consecutive parliaments, which means for over 50 years we have had this kind of setup. So I'm, I was in the 11th parliament. So I'm saying it's a sickness because the king has always been uh, above the law for. For, for, for the past uh, parliament. When I was there, I was of the hope that when you're inside parliament, you fully stand for what the people have sent to you, only to find that the king is above the law and is above the parliament, is above the judiciary, is above the executive. Whatever you say and agree on behalf of the people, it is subject to his will. If he's not comfortable with it, he will then uh, take this aside and do what he wants. That is number one. Number two, whatever programs and projects that comes with the executive, we as parliament, no matter how much we see that they are not of benefit to to the citizens, as long as the king has ties with those who provide those programs, then it shall go ahead. No matter we who stand for the people will object unto it. So that's why I said, on paper, the people elect the parliament, uh, the legislature, but in reality, even itself, it does not have power. It is just an instrument that is instructed by the king on what to do at any point in time. So for me, I would say, we just elected to be rubber stamps, and if we fail to be rubber stamps, whatever he wants, we end up being where I am now, which is in exile. It's on that note, my brother, that uh, after seeing how they are operating, I myself with two other brothers, namely Batrete Mabuza and Mtandeni Dube, we decided to crack the bull by its horns. We decided to listen to our people. Our people were very clear that the ultimate solution is a democratization of the country meaning we need a, an executive, which is the prime minister, that will have executive powers. We need a free judiciary. We need a free legislator or independent uh, legislator. Uh, after saying that, people uh, went into the streets, all demanded an elected prime minister. Then the king 
decided to send the three of us to jail for standing for that. Myself, I opted to go on exile because I knew that we will never see justice as even the courts are owned by him. Thanks, Melida. Right. Gosh, so, um, I mean, what, what can the parliament, what, so the, what, what is the purpose of the parliament if the king can just overrule everything? On a serious note, uh, I think it's window shopping to say that Swaziland has parliament. Okay. Yeah, because uh, parliament is just a, a conduit to execute everything that has been decided by royalty. So it's just some kind of window shopping. L- literally speaking, we don't have parliament. Right. And um, you, so in terms of what happened personally um, to you and your two um, uh, MP colleagues, um, do you want to just um, I- explain that a bit? What, what was it that led to uh, their arrest? Yeah, uh, that's one of the most important things in my agenda now. After us deciding to stand with the people and be honest, tell everybody that it's unworkable inside here. We need to democratize. After us doing that, you will remember that it is dangerous to be uh, right when the regime is wrong. We were awake to that reality. After that, the king decided that we be arrested. And I picked uh, my intelligence brought me that uh, information uh, that we will be arrested. And the information was very clear that it is not the judicial system that wants us arrested, but it's an instruction from the king. I'm happy, Craig, uh, to report that uh, a month after uh, the arrest was executed, meaning a month after I went out to exile, one of uh, the police officers had a very private meeting with the commander of the army. Right. And the commander of the army, in his uh, own freedom, in his liberty, disclosed mm-hmm. that, hey, you know, the arrest of uh, these three MPs, we, just, we were just summoned to the royal house. We were given an instruction, meaning himself as the commander of the army and uh, the national commissioner of police together with the other one for correctional services. They were all summoned to royalty. Uh, they were given instruction that they must go and make sure we are arrested. This commander was saying that in his own liberty. As a result, uh, the king had to dismiss him from being uh, the commander of the army. He was dismissed for leaking such sensitive information. So the world must know that this, this, this thing of warrants of arrest was not a question of judicial. We have all the evidence that it was something straight from the king himself. That's why we're saying he owns everything. And in the current constitution, no one can ever challenge him for that because constitutionally, he is above the law himself. Yeah. And um, in, t- in terms of your two um, colleagues being in prison, um, wh- what's the latest in terms of trying to get them out? Is, is there any procedure that, you, that, that can be used to, 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 to get them out? Uh, things are working from better to worse. Uh, many of our people who had thought that there will be justice are being proven wrong now. Because one, they applied for for bail. They were denied. I think they've applied over two times. 
they were denied. Uh, there were no reasons for denying them bail. Uh, I must make it clear that some police officers were, were seen on video footage uh, banning some shops uh, during the, the, the unrest of 2021. 20, they appeared on, on video clips. Those police who were arrested were given bail. But these MPs who have never appeared anywhere, either banning shop or instigating people to riot, they were denied bail. So it's been from better to worse. And I can even say that uh, we have listened to all the testimonies in court uh, against these MPs. It's very much surprising. You don't need to be a, a rocket scientist or a law student to understand. Not even one of those who were testifying ever implicated uh, myself and the other two brothers. So. It qualifies the fact that it was just an emotional decision, selfish decision from the king that gets them behind pass and end of story. Yeah. And yeah, as far as you're concerned, that they've, they've purely been arrested for speaking out in favor of democracy. That's what they're yeah. jailed for. Right. And um, so in, in terms of how this situation might, might change, um, you're obviously now dedicating your life to trying to bring democracy to um, Eswatini. Um, and on a Tuesday of this week, that was the 19th of July, um, you were part of a delegation of the um, Swazi diaspora who delivered a petition to the South African High Commission. Um, you, you gave a speech outside the, uh, the High Commission, a very rip-roaring, uh, passionate speech that I believe is available on YouTube. Um, what is it that you'd like South Africa to do Leadership, thank you so much uh, for, for, for this opportunity. I would say that uh, South Africa, being the neighbors of our country, meaning Swaziland, that's number one. Yeah. Number two, South Africa, being uh, the chairperson of the SADAC Troika unit, which is responsible for, for peace in the region. South Africa, being the economic powerhouse uh, in which Swaziland depends on almost 90% of, of, of the Swazi economy depends on South Africa. Yeah. If you look at these three points, okay, South Africa number one, being led by the ANC, which is a former liberation movement, understanding well what is oppression, what is dictatorship, what is injustice coming from a government. I think with these points, we expect South Africa, especially uh, being the SADAC Troika unit chair, to be decisive on the matters that are affecting uh, the political uh, situation in Swaziland. We really believe uh, all pointers are saying South Africa must provide leadership in the situation that we have. You must remember that uh, SADAC Troika unit had sent almost three delegates, I mean, three teams on different times to Swaziland to try and drum some sense to the king, at least to open uh, a, a well-structured uh, dialogue uh, uh, for, for, for us to resolve these matters that are in Swaziland. They have sent three different teams and in all those three different teams, the king, Mswati III, has 
is very adamant that no one will ever tell him uh, to democratize. I'll just say, I was there, as you said, on Tuesday. We were there, going there to request the ambassador to talk to President Ramaphosa to try yeah. and give Mswati uh, a strong and stiff uh, attitude that will cause or force him to allow political reforms, a democracy to get headway into Swaziland. Guess what happened for the second time? We were all expecting this Thursday to be a defining moment. Guess what happened? Yeah. Uh, the same thing that happened on April. On the last meeting, uh, on the last minute, the king decided otherwise that I'm no more coming to the summit. Mm. Same applies even this time. Uh, late on Wednesday, he declared that I'm no more coming to the summit because no one tells Swat what to do. Even regional leaders cannot tell Swat. So my question is, because he has proved to everybody that he's a bully, why is South Africa failing to start looking at biting means to force uh, Mswati to respect the regional leaders. Because yes, we know Mswati has failed to, res to respect the people of Swaziland, but he cannot then move on to disrespect regional leaders, uh, disrespect uh, regional citizenry, disrespect the global citizens. So they must start looking at imposing sanctions, sanctions like uh, Avoiding, I mean, chucking out all his children that are benefiting from the health system of South Africa. Chucking out the royal family that is benefiting from the South African education system. So that we start uh, sending strong message to Mswat that he will be isolated as long as he's failing to disrespect uh, the regional structures. Yes, madam. Sure. So just um, to give people a bit of context, the, the SADAC that you, that you mentioned, that's the South African Development Community. Um, made up of um, 16 member states, the, the countries that, that make up um, you know, the south part of Africa. Um, obviously, uh, South Africa is a huge uh, predominant part of that. And um, Eswatini is, I believe, the third smallest um, country in terms of uh, population um, out of the 16. Um, so, and, and as you, you, you pointed out there, we... You were expecting there to be, uh, there was a meeting um, yesterday on Thursday, the 21st of July, um, at which um, the King uh, Miswati was meant to attend. Um, and, and, and there was the hope that um, uh, Ramaphosa, the South African president, would be able to you know, bring him to task in some way. But as, as you pointed out, the King, um, the king uh, pulled out at the last minute, which he has a habit of doing. Um, what you've been been saying um so are you beginning to lose faith that south africa that, that sadak are going to help on a serious note i think the organization of african unity or au yeah must start raising its hands because it's becoming very clear that uh Mswati doesn't respect uh, the sub-regional uh, organization being SADAC. So, and I think SADAC must get to a point where they have to defend their reputation. I don't think they can be uh, leaders that uh, prove that indeed SADAC is not an organization to call member states off where they go wrong. 
because it has always been said that Sadek is just a gentleman's club. They are just defending the interest of each other's uh, each leader's interest. So that, that narrative has been out for a long time. I think number one, it's time that our leaders stand up and prove us otherwise that we indeed wrong. Otherwise, if they continue accepting this uh, stance that King's work keeps playing, they will be endorsing that. So that's my number one. My number two, it's time we age the African uh, Union, which is the OAU, yeah. uh, to stand up and rise to, to the occasion, defend Africa, because actually Mswati is, is attacking Africa in what is happening. Right. So the African Union there, which is it's 55 um, member states, I, 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 I believe. Um, so you think they may have more of a chance of, of uh, bringing him to heel in some way rather than um, than Sadak. Um, but I suppose the, the trouble is, uh, constitutionally, he is in control. Um, he, you know, until unless he's forced out of office, you know, there, there's there it, there isn't that much it seems that people can do um, if, if these um, other leaders of other countries aren't going to get involved. So. If it's not going to come from um, from Sadak and, and and from other African countries, what can the people of um, of Swaziland do? How can they help to bring about change? You see, my brother, the question you ask you are you are asking me is a painful question, but a very much realistic question. Uh, other people may shy away from such issues, yet if you wake up tomorrow, you will wake up to these things. It has always been said that uh, violence breeds violence. It has always been said that uh, resistance to change breeds violence. I'm afraid where we are going. The people of Switzerland have been peaceful in everything they say for a long time. Yeah. Yet the government has been killing our people for a long time. The government is is leading the, the country through the barrel of a gun, as I speak, because uh, no no amount of uh, uh, legal procedure will ever allow you to assemble at least 50 people to discuss something no matter how much you can follow procedure, you will never be allowed. Even if it's a peaceful march, like the one we had on Tuesday, it can never be allowed in Swaziland because the king and his regime has taken a posture that all gatherings, no matter how legal, no matter how peaceful they are, they are banned. You will have trade unions in the country who sometimes uh, apply for their bread and butter issues. They want to have matches. Uh, I think you have videos where police docked buses on the road, put inside the bus tear gases, suffocating the workers who were on their way to legal matches. Those workers forced to push windows so that they can get out of the bus. And as soon as they get out of the bus, the hails of bullets uh, hailed to them is they run helter scatter. Their crime is organizing a bus, paying for it, going for a legal match. So in the current situation 
where whatever peaceful means you apply, you meet a barrel of a gun. You will end up being left with what the ANC did in 1961 when they said it's time for an armed struggle. This is a question which I'm very much scared of. But I know for a fact that as long as the world is failing to bring Mswati to order, to tell him where to get off, it means they are saying there must be more bloodshed in Swaziland. It means they are saying there must be a civil war in Swaziland. It means they are saying we are turning a blind eye whatever the amount of blood is being shed in that part of the world. So the people of Swaziland, it's obvious, they cannot accept uh, being kept under this regime anymore. And they have already been pushed to the corner to do whatever they can do to defend themselves. It's one thing that I really do not like. That's why I decided to go out and be on this advocacy drive and try to tell the world to please uh, assist before things get out of hand. Because our people have lost their patience. They have been pushed too far. It is, I think, I can also say to you that we have seen around five uh, members of the armed forces being shot in the street. We don't know who shot those uh, police. Yes, the state has killed, and it's known, over 100 people. Uh, but okay. recently, I think last month, and two other months, five police officers were shot on the road. This behavior is a strong indicator that Switzerland is getting into an open war zone, meaning uh, the nation against the regime. We really plead with the world to come in. It's getting out of hand. We all don't want what we're getting into in the near future. Yeah, wow. I mean, so that is that the case that even if you try and do a, a peaceful demonstration, that the result is um, bloodshed, essentially? True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Amnesty International has, has covered it to, to some extent. Um, it's hard, I think, for them to put a number on the, the, the amount of people, um, but they, they say that people have been killed and many others um, have been tortured, detained or abducted. Um, and um, Amnesty's international director for Eastern Southern Africa described um, the arrests of, uh, of your two colleagues, um, surnames of Mabuza and, and Dube, described the, their arrests as a travesty of justice. Um, so there's some indication from... Amnesty International, but you know, I think as I've, I've said to you when we met in person, this was something that gets no coverage basically in in, in the UK at all. It, it, it's something that I was totally unaware of um, until um, I spoke to you for the first time um, at the beginning of of, of last week, um, and have since looked looked into it. So, you know, the United Kingdom ha has a, a connection, of course, with with Swaziland. Um, it it, it Swaziland gained full independence from Britain um, in 1968, and it remains a member of the Commonwealth to this day. Um, in 2012, King Maswati attended the Queen's Diamond Jubilee celebration um, in person, came over to, to England for that. Um, it did attract some criticism at the time, uh, but it wasn't you know, a, a huge scandal. Um, Britain has given aid to, um, to Eswatini, but it's a it's a relatively small amount, roughly seven million pounds over over twenty years. Um, 
That's according to um, a statement um, in the House of Commons in, in 2017. Um, trade between the two countries is about 40 million a year. Again, a, a, a small amount, relatively speaking, particularly from Britain's point of view. Um, but according to the Foreign Office, um, and I'm quoting them now, this is on government website. It says, um, we work in Eswatini on a wide range of issues, including democracy, good governance, human rights, and a secure environment for British business. Um, so how well would you say that Britain is doing in promoting democracy, good government, and human rights in, in Eswatini? Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I think uh, you are right on all uh, that you've just outlined. I can also add that maybe one would appreciate that uh, the UK had good interest to the Swazi people before it gave sovereign independence because they then came by then, so Buza, when he was about to get independence from 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 UK, he tried to influence uh, the people of UK to give Swaziland to his hands. And those people in 1965 before 67 in UK, they refused. They said, we can only give independence to the people of Swaziland, not to a person. I can also bring it to our attention that this led to a referendum in Swaziland because the king was adamant, the then king was adamant that no, the country must be given to him, not to the people. So he even made uh, some kind of a referendum, yeah. manipulating uh, the people of Swaziland. For himself, he placed a picture of a lion so that people were, were, were familiar with the lion. He knew they would then just uh, pick uh, uh, him. On the other side, which was multi-party, he placed a picture of a deer with uh, horns that uh, are like tree-like, uh, which they call in Bondon Bondo in our vernacular uh, language. So a number of people, instead of understanding the political meaning of the referendum, looked at these two animals. They said, at least we are familiar with the lion, and they opted for the lion. I'm hereby celebrating the leaders of Britain by then, who said, no, we see that you have manipulated the people. We will make a constitution. We will assist you to make a constitution that will embrace all the people. That's why the 1967-68 constitution embraced multi-party democracy. Then as soon as he gained grip on Swaziland in 1973, he brought the 1973 decree, which repealed that constitution which we had inherited or we have, we have got it through the assistance of the people from the UK. So I want to applaud the people of uh, the Queensland for that. But then, allow me to bring, to, to come close. We had a constitution that is currently in place, uh, which was uh, done in 2005. I strongly feel that the UK did much in trying to assist, but they could have done better. They funded that process of a constitution, which I think it's good. They helped us much. But my only worry is that after the constitution was completed, they had a document. That document was, was presented to parliament. Then from parliament, it went to the king's council. From the king's council, it was then presented to the people. We ended up having two documents. 
there was a document that was coming from the people and there's then this document which ended up being the final constitution which was then cooked by the king's council members of parliament from that uh, parliament made it clear that the, the constitution that we have from the crown is not the constitution that came to us what was the major difference the major difference were issues like uh, the clauses which said the king is above the law uh, there is no separation of powers all those clauses were not there as in the king is in charge of all the three arms of of of, of government i think the commonwealth was supposed at least at an element of responsibility to say but we've been assisting you with this document now this document is no more similar to the one that came from the people so and then i've heard uh, how much you, you you qualify or quantify the economic uh, assistance that is being put to to Swaziland. On from your end, it may be limited, but from our end, Swaziland being a small economy, that is, that is, it is, that is massive help that is coming to to Swaziland from the UK. My plea with them is that if they cannot assist us in democratizing the country, at least they must not sponsor the government to buy these guns and kill our people. Because this little help, the way you say that, that is being given to our country, does not end up assisting the people as, as thought by the UK government. But the government of Swaziland uses it, to, one, to manipulate the people, two, it uses it to enrich itself and buy guns that end up shoot innocent people. So that's why I'm saying, I'm happy the UK has an interest in democratizing the country. I'm saying we can do more. They can give us more assistance uh, in that regard, Malita. Yeah, and so, as, as you said there, so any any money that the UK does give to Swaziland, that just goes directly to, to the king. Is, is that right? Yes, any assistance that the external world, not only UK, so, that okay. the external world is given to Swaziland. You must know when we mean the king is an absolute monarch, he's yeah. above everything. Manipulates whatever you do, he changes the way he wants it. I've been in parliament, I've seen him doing that. So any project that you do in Swaziland, you are funding the king. And you are funding him to retain his throne than to assist our people. Right. And he um is it the case that he essentially just takes a share of any business that's set up in in Swaziland the king it's amazing how he has become a businessman right he literally runs direct some businesses that's number one number two he uses proxies uh, to run other businesses number three his his family his children because he has 15 wives he now has so many children and those children a number of them are about 20 years so they are opening many companies. I can tell you of companies that have been closed because uh, there were misunderstandings between those directors and the sons and the daughters of the king. As long as the director is saying, no, my company is not doing well now, uh, I had requested you to front for me because I know in Switzerland for one to get fair business, at least pick one of the king's sons and make him a proxy or a co-director in your business. 
So as soon as you start saying, hey, no man, can you please take your shares and go out so they can pursue my, my business. That business has always been closed and west of the example that we have, which was a, a quarry mining, soldiers were deployed from the army because the, the, the king's son works with the soldiers. Soldiers were deployed to close that business and make sure that uh, this business doesn't suffocate. So that's why I'm saying whatever assistance that you think you give to Swaziland for the benefit of the people, the world must know that it is not for the benefit of the people. It is for the benefit of the king because he is now a direct a businessman and an indirect businessman using his proxies. Maybe I can even make this one more clear. There is a guy that is winning every tender in Swaziland. He is into construction. He is into telecommunications. This guy, this guy is a proxy. Is the very same guy who bought limousines when I was in Parliament, who bought, I mean, uh, Rolls Royce, who bought a number of Rolls Royce, I think 19 Rolls Royce for, for, for the king. When I asked uh, the cabinet minister, myself as an MP, I said, but cabinet minister, who has bought these 19 Rolls Royce for the king? And he said, no, in confidence, it is that guy. He brought them as a gift to the king, but ourselves as the cabinet, we are now duty bound to give him all the tenders he'll apply, apply for. Because on the other hand, he gives kickbacks to the king. So that's how Swaziland is being run. That's why I was saying, whatever fund you give to the Swazi government, you are assisting uh, King Mswati to brutalize his people and maintain his seat, which is very sad. Yeah. So. So, I mean, it's a country of just over a million people. And yeah, if, if the king has you know, had nearly 20 wives and how, God knows how many, how many kids, um, it, it's not hard to see how such, an, a, such a huge family could directly get involved with and, and control you know, pretty much every, every part of, of the country. It's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's clearly an operation that, they, that they've got in place. And um, it's a very sad situation, in particular, as you mentioned there, they're buying um, however many Rolls Royces it is. That's you know, a, a, a proud British company that um, is is supplying cars to um, you know, to to someone of, of of this kind and his and his family. Um, give us, if you can, just a taste of so with the king's living this opulent lifestyle with his many wives and his his many cars in in his palace. He's got his family controlling everything he's controlling all the funding that comes in um what is life like for the average um swazi in 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 the country um how much money do they have how you know how many things can they afford what 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 is life like for them honestly that's not it is the reason why we we would live for can do a lot because uh, life in Scotland, I'll say unemployment rate, you'll have to check in the West, but I think it's at 41% right. uh, as we speak. And you must know that I'm talking about people who have forced to pay uh, for education, primary, secondary, our, 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 our citizens, they try hard to take their kids to school from the nothing that they have because education is for sale in Swaziland. But our people opted to keep fighting and take their uh, children to school. They went to school. After that, they go to teach some teachers. 
some are nurses, some are engineers. You see, those teachers who have graduated from the colleges and universities, they are working as patrol attendants. Those teachers who have graduated, they are cane cutters. Those teachers who have graduated, they are picking oranges from orange trees. You, you see, mm. no matter how much educated you can be, remember that that education has never been for free. It has been an investment by the parents who had nothing. It's not like we're talking about unemployment, unemployment of, of just ordinary people. We're talking uh, graduates, professionals who are there, who are forced to, to work at shops like ShopRite, uh, pick and pay, whatever shops that are there to sell clothing, to sell oranges. Imagine nurses and teachers being jobless. Uh, these teachers are jobless, yet we have many schools in Swaziland, and those schools are understaffed. One teacher is taking care of 75 uh, school-going children. One teacher is taking care of those that number of children. There are many teachers who are qualified, but the government has frozen hiring, saying uh, uh, they can't afford to pay teachers. So Swaziland is just a mess. That's why we are crying loud and say, may, may the world rise to, to, to the situation. And there are things like uh, uh, targeted sanctions against the Commonwealth uh, uh, countries. Uh, such, such targeted sanctions could, 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 could mean making sure that royalty doesn't go to any of these Commonwealth countries, either for visits or for events, to try and assist us to pushing at least to open political space in the country. We can't afford to have him as a god in man. Okay, absolutely. I think I think one of the main things that's needed from other countries is, is just to, to be aware of it and to and to talk about it. Obviously, there's you know a lot of issues going on in the world, and there's always competition for what can be discussed. But I think, given this is a um, you know, a member of the Commonwealth. Um, it's something that people in Britain should definitely know more about, and that, that, that's you know, one of the main reasons why we're so keen to talk to you, um, talk to you on this. Um, yeah, and um, where we you know, not going too too much longer. I don't want to take up too much of your your time. Um, but if you could, uh, your organisation that I think you set up last year is is, is called um, Swalimo, the Swaziland Liberation Movement. Um, you're, you're the president of that movement. Um, can you tell us a bit about the organization and um, also how it differs from some of the other organizations who are also aiming for the same goal of, uh, of democracy in Swaziland? Yeah, uh, you see, you, you're right. that Our organization, which is Swalimo, was born from the pain and tears of our people. We saw people dying from June, end of June, July, at that September. Brutality was so high. It was launched on November, I think, 18, 2021. But really, it was born from the payment of our people. Our people, we did have political organizations from there. But you must take note that um, the regime had brainwashed our people against organizations, such that most of these political organizations were not getting enough support and following from the masses. So the entire nation had all their confidence and support to the three MPs 
more than they had to to the political organization getting right. There was nothing wrong with the political organization, but the, the, the nation was brainwashed against the political organization. After realizing that, oh, the people can resonate with the three MPs and I was the only one outside. And it was not possible for me to operate. One, I'm out of the country. Two, you need a framework or a structure to coordinate all the activities that you do. We had to establish Swalimo, and true to that, Swalimo is commanding a huge following in the country because uh, our people resonate with the leader and what and the ideals that uh, we stand for. So in short, Swalimo is not that much uh, different, but it's one of the pillars that is uh, pushing for democratization of Swaziland. The only difference is that uh, it is twinned in the way of life of our people and it is truly standing for uh, the liberation of our people from royal supremacy. Okay, and um, given that there are a lot of other organizations or political parties um, who will, of course, have their differences um, as as parties do in, in the UK and in, in any country, but they all, at, at their root, want um, democracy in, in the country. Um, mm-hmm. would, it, would it not be better if they, I mean, or maybe they are... Do they do they work together these organisations even if they've got different political um, ideas in other areas? Uh, the mass democratic movement is very much organised. Now we have two structures which are named the mass democratic, which are named the political party assembly. That's number one. Okay. The other one is the multi stakeholder forum. The multi stakeholder forums con- consist of all civic groups and other organisations, students' unions, trade unions, whatever. So it's very easy, it's very clear. We are so organized, we are pushing towards one major goal. Great. And um, if you, know, you mentioned earlier there was a um, referendum that was clearly um, not, not a fair one. If there were to be a referendum among the people today and it, and it were completely fair and, and, and there, were, there, were no, there was no coercion from the king, if everyone did have a free vote, um, I mean, roughly, how what percentage of the country do you think would vote for democracy in in the country? Come again, I lost something. Sorry, um, if there if there was a referendum today um, and it was a free and fair vote, um, how many people do you think in the country would vote to get rid of the king and to have an elected um, parliament government? Hey, if there could be a referendum today, uh, I can safely say that over 80%, actually 90% yeah. of our people will stand will stand with democracy. Uh, the 10% that I'm leaving out is, is for the benefit of doubt. Otherwise, the only beneficiaries of the system is the king, his families, and the close proxies. Yeah. And the thing to wonder about that, and it, it's always one of the tragedies, when, when there are situations like this, is you mentioned before the, the 40% um, unemployment. So it's not just the, the fact that, that the king is taking all the resources that there are. It, it's that the economic model that he's using, because it's so corrupt and because his family are directly controlling it. I mean, he, he's just strangling the country of all its potential. So if he were to be a, a benevolent king who um, allowed a, 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 a parliament and allowed people to set up businesses and to you know exchange freely and 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 went in a direction of of you know social democracies um across the world if he did that 
it, it's possible that he would end up actually richer because the country would be richer and people would be happier and and he would he he would be able to live in a in a world where he doesn't have to fear for his own security that he doesn't you know feel that everybody in the country hates him you know he it, what's bizarre is he could probably have a a much better life if he did do what what every people in the country want and you know allow you to have some sort of democratic freedom um but i suppose it's a tragedy of the fact that that the sort of people who end up as um dictators um don't think like that and and all they can see is is um their own power and 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 strength and they don't really care about anybody else and that's a real a real tragedy um with that in mind i suppose let's say the let's say the king does step down or um is forced from power um at, at some point um how would you ensure that he's not simply replaced by another dictator by by somebody else who seizes power yeah and may i first start by adding my a word on what you just said yeah you see the king had it all and he lost it all right he had a chance so as the people are people who love the royalty they were so comfortable uh, all they needed was a responsible person who will really uh, give the best government. It's just tragedy that he became the monster that it is. I wasn't, I was young by the time his father was king. Uh, I can't know much, but many people are saying life was much better than what his son seems, what he has turned out to be. He has just uh, destroyed the health, he has destroyed the education, he has made life hard for anyone who wants to make business. If uh, there is what we call foreign direct investment that is coming from 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 far across the world for different projects, uh, the king will demand uh, not less than fifty percent shares in whatever project for himself. And when he is asked what is he contributing as a shareholder, he's saying he's contributing his name as the king. So uh, he had it all. But he had to to lose it all out because of the arrogance that he is. It's even worse, my brother, because his sons and his uh, daughters have copied exactly what he is. And worse, they are enjoying the constitutional benefits that he has. They are they are immune uh, from 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 the law. They do whatever. They do as it pleases. Uh, they abuse uh, women, they do this and that, and no one can ever touch them because they are part of the royalty, and royalty is protected by the constitution. So we we now don't have life. It's not only him who is a god, even the entire family, they are god. So that's why I'm saying he had it all, but he lost it all. Coming back to to your, to your question, uh, my leader, uh, we don't want to take our people for granted. We know that they have the family spirit. If we can risk and have a president after maybe if if after all Swaziland turns out to to have a president, if I, for argument's sake, if I take that yeah. it like that, then we we, we can have a, a problem if we don't uh, protect the interest of the people. Out of loyalty, they can have another person who will come with fresh air, 
fresh promises, but end up to, to abuse them because of their loyalty. Our people are a loyal nation. They trust a leader until you prove them wrong. So this time around, we will make sure that we don't rely on the humanity of the person, but we rely on systems that protect the people against abuse. Those systems, I mean a very proper constitution that will guarantee all people uh, 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 the system, I mean, the, the, the life we are talking about. I mean, a constitution that will make all of us to be controlled by that system. Not a constitution that we have where the king is above the law, his family is above the law. That's number one. Number two, we will have a constitution that provides separation of powers among the three arms of government so that we don't find ourselves in the same problem uh, in which we are now. On, a, on addition to that, uh, we will have something like an abutment. In South Africa, they have a Republic Protector Unit, some kind of a mechanism uh, that says outside the Constitution being the, the watchdog for the people, we also have this mechanism uh, that checks each and everyone for balances in order to protect our people. I can safely say that uh, it's greener ahead. Uh, I'm happy or we are happy that the globe has provided much of this standard. So it will be easy to take them and then contextualize them into our Swazi society and come up with something uh, that will have global standards, yeah. but be homemade to make life uh, better for our people at home. Okay, well, that sounds like a fantastic plan. I, I think some, something in your favour is the fact that it, it, it's such a small population of just over a million people. So, you know, you, you've got a much better chance of bringing people together on a constitution that, that they can pretty much all agree with. Um, that, that might be a lot harder if it was a, if it was a much bigger country. Um, so then, and then that, again, it, it shows the potential that the country does have. Obviously, it's, it's got rich resources, um, natural resources, um, which could be put to better use. Um, and with the small population, you, you think you'd be able to spread the, um, the constitution, the understanding of the constitution around the country relatively easily. Um, so you know, that, that, that's at least something, I think, to, to, to be hopeful of. Um, your organisation, um, Swalimo, when it, um, it, it talks about um, replacing the monarchy um, with a, a united democratic Eswatini in which all the people shall govern and enjoy equal rights and freedoms collectively. Um, as it says the term collectively, does this mean specifically um, it becoming a socialist country or is that less important? Is it about democracy and then, and then you decide the nature of the country after that? Yeah, uh, may I start by emphasizing the point you just concluded. Yeah. We have a small population. We have so much mineral resources. Yeah. Uh, our main resource being the citizens. Swazis are hard workers. They just need an enabling environment. There are few who are over 1.1 or 2 million. They have much resources on the soil. And on top of that, uh, the human resources are on a very high level. So Swaziland can be one of the best uh, countries in the world if we can just correct uh, the governance structures. Then coming to the question you, you just raised. Um, we at Swalimo are not just looking, or we're not looking for a, a socialist government. 
Um, I must say, we believe in a free market economy. Yeah. That's our 100% belief. We, we believe in a free market economy uh, where, where the state is, is, is enabling social partners to work together in harmony for economic growth. I must say that we believe that it's only after the economic state has grown that the people can well benefit uh, from it. Of course, the state uh, will have interest in some sectors. I mean sectors like education, fundamental sectors like health, uh, and some other uh, enterprises like uh, the railway network. So those will be the enterprises where the state will have interest. The state will have interest for the for, 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 for making it accessible, affordable to the entire citizenry. But above everything, uh, the main focus we have now is, is, is to remove the detector, change the system for democracy, allow the people after that to draw their own future. I must emphasize that. Our main focus is to remove the detector. After removing the detector, uh, make proper consultation. We believe in a well-educated society. Our people will be all Will, will, will be capacitated enough to say what they want for their country. But we're really not looking for a socialist government, like I've explained. Uh, we all will, will need the most. It's just a free market economy with the state enabling uh, the social partners to work together in harmony for economic growth. Great. No, yeah, thanks for, for clarifying that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, basically, it's, it's a, it, it just enables you to, to be a, a free country, much like um, you know, most of the, the, the Western world and, and elsewhere where, yeah, you can, you have a free market and you can decide democratically the, the um, level to which the state, um, you know, spends on certain areas and gets involved in certain areas to regulate things. And, and, and that seems to be, that's what you're pushing towards. I think that that's something that really pretty much everybody listening is, is going to support. Um, to touch on, on just some criticisms, obviously I, I'm aware that this is, Stuff that, that that's um, being said in the um, uh, Swatini uh, press, so I, the reliability of it and the connections to the to the, the king may be questionable. Um, but the story the red saying um, that you know you had links to um, the demo, who are the People's United Democratic Movement, um, and um, the king has called um, the demo uh, terrorists. Um, how do you respond to, to that claim? Yeah, Lida, you've said it well. Uh, like I said it uh, some time ago, that some people could not, or a number of our people could not associate with organizations like Pudemo because the state has done its part in criminalizing Pudemo, yeah. in, in, in putting or placing Pudemo in a wrong picture. Uh, I'm proud to say I grew up on Pudemo structures. I've been political conscious uh, from my early stages. That's why I took part on 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 on, on Pudemo and on the youth Pudemo structures. Uh, so from where I stand, I think we have a very healthy relationship, Swalimo and Pudemo, and I want to edge. Uh, our people across the world, not to buy the false story from the government that uh, Pudemo is, is a terrorist group. They were just 
using political tactics to brand it. From where I stand, Udemo is an organization of freedom fighters. And I know all future freedom fighters across the globe, they are branded terrorists. You will remember what happened to Nelson Mandela and yeah. the ANC. You remember. Yeah. So regimes have a tendency of applying that tactic when they see you as a threat. I cannot be shocked. Actually, I'm not shocked. That's my, my brother, Zoli Martin. There's another guy who's running an online publication in Swaziland, Swaziland uh, News. He has, he has been branded a terrorist uh, himself, and his publication has been branded a terrorist. It's because they are uh, providing credible news to the public, and uh, the government is feeling the pinch, then trying to lie to the world. Uh, I won't be surprised if they wake up tomorrow and say uh, Honorable Mtutuzi Kauzela is a terrorist, as they have charged us now. So I won't be surprised. It's just last kicks of a dying horse. I'm happy that Nelson Mandela is now a global icon, though he was branded a, a terrorist by a certain regime. So people must expect the same. Uh, Detectors regimes have common elements, but one thing that is very good, they all fall as long as the people decide to stand together and keep moving forward. For me, is to request the world to disregard whatever the Swazi government is saying because it's a lie. Sure. Um, and um, just to, to, to try and wrap up um, now, because I know it's, it's uh, coming up to an hour, um, how, li- how are things likely to play out over the next few years? What, what change do you think is realistic that, that could happen um, in the short term? Uh, my brother, I derive courage and strength from the mere fact that no government has ever fought its people and won. All symptoms are there now to prove that the regime has already fallen. Uh, the, the regime has fallen because all the people are rising together in one accord and saying away with the royal supremacy. It's a question of when uh, is this uh, regime going to be totally removed from power because even now, the regime is normal power because they call the nation for a number of things and the nation is no more taking uh, lines from them. So we really expect, uh, also from my global advocacy drive, we, we expect the people of the world that truly love peace, that truly love uh, social justice, that truly love good governance, that truly are for democracy. We expect them to learn a lot about the evil deeds of the regime and then isolate uh, that regime. We know that uh, in a twinkling of an eye, the regime will fall. Swaziland is going to be part of the world, first world countries in few years, as long as we have a proper uh, a government. The people of uh, my motherland will live a better life as lived by other uh, uh, countries of the world. So in short, we expect the best ahead, but it will first get uh, worse before it gets better. Because when we talk of economic sanctions against Swaziland, that will not be easy even for our people. It will be tough for our people. But we must always remember that, that we're not fighting because we love war. No, we are fighting because we want peace and good governance. So we must endure the pain. Uh, we must carry the sacrifice for liberating our country so that future generations of our motherland will live in a better world 
like the other countries of the world. So uh, it's, it's going to get tough before it gets better. And we have lost everything. The regime has taken everything from me. But I'm saying they can take anything that I have as long as they will give me the freedom of our motherland. And I'm sure uh, such leaders as myself and many of my brothers and sisters are rising up across the country with one spirit. We already caused you cannot use death to scare us. Take away everything, but at the end of the day, we are standing up, rising for all our rights, standing up to create a better world in Swaziland because we believe that there cannot be global peace uh, with Swaziland being at war, the government against its people. Thanks, later. Sure. Well, thank you ever so much for that. Um, what are your next plans personally? You're in the UK at the moment. Um, what other countries are you planning to, to visit? Yeah, my brother. Uh, sounding simple question, but uh, very tough in the sense that ever since it has been known that I am in the UK and I've made influential, I've met influential figures that are known to be democracy-loving figures in the UK. The, the regime back home is on my neck. They are very frustrated. I think after my appearances, they've been all over. I'm not sure what they will do now, but I'm very much sure that we must brace ourselves for some stance from the government, stance to try and block me uh, from reaching to the world and sending a clear picture We've had the government spokesperson saying that we have noted that uh, MP Gauzela uh, is in the UK sending a bad uh, image of the country instead of saying, telling the world what really this country is. So that told me that the king has given them an instruction to try and see how they can frustrate my traveling across the world. Otherwise, the plan was to go to all the countries that welcome me, precisely countries like the USA countries like you, like Canada, uh, we, ha- we had uh, lines to go to all those countries, but we must anticipate all stance from the regime. We plead with uh, reputable people of the world to understand whatever will be said by the regime in Swaziland is a lie. It is made so that the world cannot get the true picture of what the regime is doing to the people of Swaziland. So we trust for the best, but we are alive to the fact that in the next coming two, three, or three months, or four months, there'll be a lot coming from the regime against me, wherever I will be. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, they won't ask you for a, um, a location-by-location location, uh, plan then. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, it must be to be um, in exile as you are and, and you know, to be in, in quite a lot of regards, um, you know, worried for your own, your own safety, um, it, it's good that you can be in a country like um, like the UK, but the f- fact that you, you say that you know you're still slightly um, have to having to look over your shoulder even now um, that is um, quite a quite a damning um, reflection of the, uh, the the well of the of the king um, and his his company in Eswatini. Um, just as a, as a final question, um, you're a very passionate speaker as as has come across in this um, th- this interview. Um, you've also got a a big following um, in your home country. Um, you're also um, a singer and a musician, which we haven't managed to touch on um, in, in this interview. Um, is your ambition one day to be the first democratically elected prime minister or president of Swaziland? Thank you so much for 
for the kind words given to me. You never know who you are until someone comes in and tell you. But I can confirm that I'm, I'm amazed at the extent at which my motherland resonates with my voice and with what I stand for, especially in explaining the pain of our people. It, it amazes me. And I'm also like, but God, why me? Uh, then going forward to, to the question, I would say, to be honest, I see myself as a servant who who is setting up a, a condition that will enable our people to breathe freely, uh, freely. I'm seeing myself as that servant who is working along other servants to establish a better Swaziland. Uh, but I, I'm also awake to the fact that I had said to myself, I will never organize, I mean, I will never be a leader of such a strong political movement. I'd always seen myself as one of the enablers. When I went to parliament, I didn't expect all these things. But the more I stood for the truth, I then found myself having no option, uh, but only to stand up for the people. At the end of the day, I end up being the leader. So I'm precisely saying, I didn't envy being a president of the country. I didn't envy being a prime minister uh, of the country. And even if you ask me now, I'll say the same. But I've seen when I look back at my life, it's a question of purpose calling me than me saying this is what I would love to happen. So if purpose calls me to that level, I have no reason to, to deny. I'm a servant of the people. I've said to myself, like Moses, wherever the Spirit of God leads me, and surely I'll say yes. For it's not about me, it's about the masses. It's not about the masses only. From my faith, I believe it is God ordained. For the Bible says the steps of the righteous men are ordered by God. I'll just say, I just believe wherever the will will lead me, I shall stand. Oh, thank you ever so much um, for that. Um, that's um, Eric Similani, um, an MP from um, Eswatini, living um, in, in exile at the moment, um, also known as um, Garuzela uh, by, uh, by people of his own country, um, a singer and musician, but also uh, particularly um, a politician and somebody who is um, fighting for, the, uh, for, for democracy in Swaziland. Um, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you and to, to learn about what's, um, what's going on. Um, and um, yeah, I think I speak for most listeners when we wish you all, all the best with bringing um, democracy to your homeland. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Craig. I'm very much uh, excited and thank you uh, for this podcast and thank you for, to the people of uh, Britain for giving us warm hands and for listening to the plight of our people back home. And I'm sure I'm saying thank you to them for giving a hand to the crying souls of Swaziland. God bless you. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. Take care.